Thanks for listening. This is Momentum, the entrepreneurship podcast for photographers. I'm your host, Nate Grahek, portrait photographer and entrepreneur. Join me each week as I interview the most successful and inspiring photographers in our industry. We bring you innovative and proven business strategies you can use to shift the momentum in your own photography business, giving you the freedom to do more of what you love in business and in life. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. I've got a really exciting episode today. My friend Spencer Lum out of Brooklyn, New York, has been a wedding photographer for 15 years. Uh, he's going to walk through us. I, we all love talking marketing, practical tips, also some theory in here. Um, Spencer kind of went through and we were talking about how he's just been like hustling and hustling and hustling for when he first got started, like so many of us did and realized that he was working too hard, still needed to make the same amount of money and used these tactics he's going to share for us, he kind of established his own framework for marketing, how to talk to customers where they're at so they actually heard him, took his booking rate from when he sat down to meet with clients, he took his booking rate from 38% to went on a run of booking 24 out of 25 meetings. So that's just one little teaser of what you're able to create when you get your marketing right. But well, uh, Spencer, dude, thank you so much for showing up and hanging out with us. Yeah, it is great to be here. So cool. So let's uh, help me out with your intro a little bit more. How did you decide to be a photographer? And um, and just walk us through as we get started, just that moment where you're like, okay, I can make a living as a photographer, but I, I'm like, there's this sense of desperation, right? Where's the next job going to come from? I just have to take every job that comes my way because I don't know where the next one's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a it's a multi part story. I need to sit <laughs> everyone down in front of the fire for the whole story, but but I actually gave it a try twice. I mean, the thing I wanted to do more than anything out of college was be a photographer, and I was I worked for the paper in school. I was shooting as a freelancer and I thought, okay, this is what I want to do. Except I had kind of told my parents I was going to go to law school. So I had law school looming. And my thought was, if I can make a run of it and I can get things going to be a photographer, then I'm going to break the news and that's what's going to happen. And I spent a year putting in like every bit of energy I had into it. And I just fell flat on my face. I mean, I just so desperately wanted the work and I couldn't, I just couldn't get it. So that's take one. (laughs) Then comes this big period in between. I'm off in law school, so no photography going on. And I come back to it, and this is in the early 2000s. And what happens is I see a friend, and he's crushing it. And I'm thinking, okay, you know what? My pictures are just as good. I can do that too. And this time, things are a little bit different. You know, I start getting into it, and I start getting some traction. I start getting some business. But the problem is the way I'm getting the business is by undercharging and way undercharging, in fact. And so, you know, everyone else, they're out getting, I don't know, three, four, five, ten thousand dollars and I'm sitting around getting one, two thousand. I'm jumping up and down if I get three thousand. And so basically I'm trading time for dollars the entire way through. And the way I'm surviving is just by taking any job I can get, no matter how little it pays, because I figure, well, everything's an opportunity. And while, you know, sometimes I look back and 
hustle is great. You know, I'm, I'm all for putting in everything you've got. And I have all the respect in the world for anyone who does that. But it just wasn't paying the bills. I mean, or I should say it was paying the bills, but basically is eating me alive. And mm-hmm. and so what happens is you get to this point, And in my particular case, my son was born. And all of a sudden, everything changes, right? <laughs> like you've got <laughs> and suddenly your time isn't right? just your own anymore. Everybody warns us that like when the kids come, it's going to everything's be different. And as much as we try to prepare and read, like you just can't. You just that's just one of those things that you just have to experience how things change when the kiddos come. Yeah, it totally did. Now, I'll tell you, the real killer with weddings is that I think for the first couple of years, you you say to yourself, okay, I've got all this time on the weekdays to spend with. My family, which I didn't because I was working all the time, even on weekdays. And we all know how that goes, right? Even when you do weddings, you're thinking, okay, I've, I don't, you know, I've got the whole week to myself, but you really don't. You spend the whole week editing and marketing and trying to get business and Mm -hmm. things, they only get harder because what happens is your kids, they start going to school and all of a sudden the weekends become really important and it becomes mandatory. Yeah. You, you just if you want to spend time with family, you realize you've got to find a way to get the marketing and the business to work. And so I'll be honest, I got by for the first half of my business. I mean, it's not what the, it's not like I wasn't trying to figure things out, but when there's not that pressing need, you kind of just let it go. And so I got by basically mm-hmm. on hustle. And I was looking, if you looked at my hours, I'm putting in maybe 80, 100 hours a week. I think I, there was times where when I was first starting um, my photography business and then starting Sticky Albums, I had friends and other friends in the industry who who are entrepreneurs who didn't have kids. Mm-hmm. And there'd be moments where in my, in my weakness and my overwhelm where I'd be like, oh, gosh, if I just had – I could just work so many more hours. I could do da, 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 da. I'd be, and then I've caught myself saying, you know what? No, I wouldn't. I would, I'd, I'd still just waste, I'd be wasting time away the way I usually did. I'd be playing video games. I'd be watching TV. I'd be doing all this other stuff because I could, and then I'd still be scrambling. But I'm actually successful because I think of my children. It like, it, it closed out all of the garbage times is if you're going to do something meaningful, you've got to do it in the, you have these hours in the day and you you have to get stuff done here. And there's that part. There's like the day-to-day logistics of it. Um, People are actually counting on me. And there's something that just shifted in me about like, I want to be a role model someday. I'm not ready. When they're first born, I'm like, oh gosh, I'm glad they can't remember things right now. (laughs) But I know they're going to grow up and I want that. I want to be somebody they look up to. And, and, uh, I don't want to work in a job where I'm depressed and burned out and I don't have anything, anything left to give them. So let's, let's do this. Uh, and I think it was a good realization instead of resenting the fact that I had kids, they, they, they helped me grow a stronger business, not the reverse. God, I love that attitude. It's so true. I mean, I call it, yeah, I call it the diet soda syndrome. I've always struggled with weight my whole life through. I mean, ever since I was a little kid. Anyway, the first time I discovered diet soda, I think this is the best thing in the world. It's got no calories. I can drink as much as I want. And I've always loved anything sweet and you add fizzy to it and, you know, I'm hooked. But the thing is, uh, I realized one day that all I would do is I would now kind of that that just gave me the chance to eat that much more. It's like, oh, it's like 100 calories, 200 calories less. I can go have a hamburger now or half a hamburger. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's what time was like, right? When you... Yeah, yeah. And if you don't need to do it, then you 
well, you just don't do it. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. So that, okay. So then you, you, you start to figure this out and realize that you've got to buckle down and be, do more with less. Yeah. What, what was there, um, a defining moment that you remember? Was there an, a mentor, a book, a concept? What is it something that kind of just shook you awake? Yeah, actually, it was the economy. I'd love to say that it was a point of personal awareness, but this is about 2008, <laughs> 2009. So, yep, totally. so we got this like a one-two punch, right? My son, yep. he's born, and I start to see the writing on the wall uh, and realize that the time matters. And the economy is just tanking and it's going south. And so... I didn't know that that was kind of that we we are in the in the wedding market that it was kind of this part of this long continuous period of heightened saturation that would be coming that would be taking the market by storm essentially. At, yeah. at that point, the big thing was okay. Yeah, there are plenty of photographers, but there's still business out there. But the market just goes south, and I was targeting kind of these upper middle level weddings in terms of i mean numerically in terms of cost yep, and, yep. and then all of these people in in, in, in like d- normal day jobs they get laid off and they go this is it this is my chance to go chase my dream i'm going to be a photographer so meanwhile while the the market's tanking it's harder to book photographer or book book weddings few, there's probably few people are like delaying their weddings yep, that happened <laughs> that actually that happened a lot <laughs> it's funny that that's like Wow, that feels like PTSD. I hadn't even thought about I that. Bet. But yes, that happened so often. I saw people actually push back their weddings, even people who were um, like the first year the, the the big recession hit back then. It yep. actually wasn't that big a deal because everyone was booked up. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, you had like a little buffer. But then when it came back to where people were like, I'm not going to schedule the wedding right now. Dad, dad, so-and-so is not going to pay that wants to hold off on paying for my wedding or whatever. Yeah. Well, it suddenly became a thing where you, you would go on to, I don't know, re- you, you'd read like, <laughs> it suddenly became popular to where you, what would happen is you'd see all these articles about like how to save money on your wedding. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> have a budget wedding. It's not like that never existed before, but it, all of a sudden that's like left and right. Like everything. I bet. How do you cut down on the cost? And yeah, mm-hmm. not having a wedding was one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> or pushing it back or or whatever else. Anyway, so that that's really actually that's what kicks that's what kicks my ass. I mean, that's yep, what, my, my market just evaporates. So I mean that's when I decide, you know, I've got to take marketing seriously. And I've I've marketed all my life in a sense, but the thing is I had kind of gotten by with certain things. I knew branding really well because that's where like I used to have a brand agency at one point. I I built everything on brand, but I really didn't know the ins and outs of how to connect with people and how to really reach them and differentiate yourself and everything else. And so 2008, 2009, that is the first time I put forward. I mean, I'm just like swallowing books left and right. And I'm running out and talking to anyone who will give me five minutes to talk to try to put this together. And that's when it starts. And God knows, I mean, it takes like years and years before it really starts to like really tangibly solidify, but yep, because you're just kind of piecing it together on your own. Yeah. But now, now that you so now let's fast forward. You you do all the hard work for us. You you fall on your face a couple times, make some mistakes, try different tactics. But now you've honed it to like a, a, a system mm-hmm. that's repeatable. Mm-hmm. That now you're coaching other photographers on this same system. <clears throat> 
so that we don't, so, so it doesn't have to take years anymore, right? That's the beauty. There, we didn't have these guides back then, but now there's these awesome resources that you've put together. Um, and let's, so we, you, you've got it actually broken down into like three parts and how you differentiate yourself in a, con- in a concentrated, saturated market. Yes. Um, what are those three, three key parts? Okay. So if I'm breaking it down, these are the three big strategies. And, and I'll, I'll preface this just by saying that in some ways, I'm kind of a classic, I come from a classic mold of uh, like being a marketer. And what I mean by that is not, you know, I don't believe in being pushy. I don't believe in being. Um, in fact, I think the opposite. I think you want to build a bulletproof connection where you just understand your clients left and right and you take care of them. But with that said, what I, I mean, there are certain things out there that are changing, like, well, your products, for example. I mean, there are always, you know, new products entering the market that work and make big, big differences. And I absolutely believe in figuring out what's working right now. But mm-hmm. in another sense, I'm also old school in that, you know, I think the fundamentals should be there. And half the time, you know, what will happen is someone will try to apply something like Facebook ads. Facebook ads are so hard to do well if you don't know anything about your audience and if you don't know anything about creating ads and they can work. And if you know how to do it, they will work. But there are so many ins and outs. And if you have that foundation, then it makes sense and you know what to do and you know what to look at and everything else. So that's my preface. Like, That's so powerful because I, I actually put together a course on Facebook advertising last year because a lot of times I will just listen to photographers say, hey, guys, what what do you want to learn about? What are you trying? What's working? What 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 like what, where do you want to go? And everybody in the last year or two was just raving about like they wanted anytime I, t- I said anything about a Facebook ad, they were just all over it. Yeah. <clears throat> and it took me a year to realize that, that well, I, I went through a very detailed course on how to schedule, filter, set up all of the things that happen like after an ad. Mm-hmm. And it really was frustrating because only like a small percentage of the people that took my class actually saw results. And it took me to go, okay, what, what did I miss here? What's, what's wrong? And as like, okay, and you said it perfectly. The, so many photographers were jumping ahead to wouldn't it be great if I could spend a buck and make two? Wouldn't it be great if I could spend 20 bucks and book a wedding or something like that? Like there's this, uh, this imaginary panacea of Facebook ads when they didn't have a website, they didn't have a consistent brand, they didn't have a target, they didn't know who their target market was, their website was promoting to like weddings, babies, in everything, pets, all in one page. It's like, oh, there's all of these foundational things we need to get done right. And you talk to any business owner in or outside of our industry, Facebook ads are the last and final frontier. Like, and Facebook will just take all your money and not care. <laughs> Right. So you've got to get this foundation, making sure that what you're saying, your customers are hearing and it's attracting the your right target. All of that takes some work. So uh, this is really cool. I love talking about the, the setting up this foundation and then working on top of it. Once you have the foundation, then all of your marketing, if you, including if you want to do Facebook, but it doesn't matter what it is, all of your marketing will get better when you have this solid foundation to build from. Yeah. 
That that's my belief, and that's how I see it. So I'll throw out first thing, right? Be imaginative, and here's what I mean. Okay, really, you you if you want to differentiate, you need to really. I, I mean, people don't think of marketing as its own form of creativity, but you really, really have to think about like, what is the problem you solve? Because that's, that's why anyone's hired. You are hired in for, to do, to do anything, not just photography, but you're always hired to take care of some pain point and some problem that someone is having out there. And that's why they pay you, but you get to pick and choose what problem you actually solve for people. <clears throat> and you get to decide what pain point you actually address. And the first thing I'll usually see understandably, but it's also a problem. The very first thing I'll see is that people will, well, they'll say the exact same thing as everybody else, because of course, that's the first thing that will come to your mind. And usually people are doing photography for similar reasons. And so let's say, you know, you say you capture moments. Well, no one's going to look at that and think, well, that stands out. Or they won't even think that's exactly what I was looking for, because they've that's the default assumption. And so it's not going to grab people's attention. It's not going to make them aware of whatever their real problem is and why those moments matter so much. And it's not going to stand out. And so an example I use, right? There was this book club from God, I don't know when. <laughs> this is what I mean when old school. I love looking at like old, old ads because I feel like they're so basic and fundamental that when you look at them, it's really easy to decode what's going on. And so there was like this book club and I don't remember the details. I'm not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do it a disservice, but this is uh, like, you, you know, you remember those like book of the month clubs and you know, they'd have record of the month clubs and stuff and you'd sign up and you know, they just keeps dumping them in the mail. All the stamps. You get all the stamps. Yes. You could like pick your right, records. Right. Yeah, yes. yeah. The stamps. Yep. Yes, exactly. That's my childhood right there. <laughs> so yeah, there was this ad and basically it says something like, you know, how often, do you do you actually not read a book that everybody else is reading and talking about? And that ad mm. is so interesting to me because the basic benefit that you'd kind of think of is like, well, you're getting a book. Maybe that means you're getting education, you're getting knowledge, you're getting information. But that's not actually what they're targeting in that ad. If you look at that ad, what they're saying is you're not keeping up with everybody else. Or depending on how you want to interpret that they they could say you could say that the real pain point here is feeling inferior to everyone else or looking embarrassed or looking like you're not educated or whatever the case is right however you want to take it but that's mm -hmm. the basic idea and yep. you ask 99 people out of 100 to market that product even something as basic as a book club and the, that we've all seen in this this idea that we all know in some form and what they're going to pick is you get a book every month and the thing is, no one's going to buy that yeah. because they're going to think I could go to the, yeah. I mean, now you just order it on Amazon, but the thought is like, I could just go to the bookstore, but that's not what the ad targeted. The ad targeted that specific feeling of, I am not keeping up with everyone else and everyone else seems to know more than me. And that is a completely different problem it's solving. And so when I say be imaginative, I mean, there are so many things photography can solve. And like the question you'd ask yourself is, well, you know, if you capture a moment, what does that moment actually mean to people? There has to be, I mean, not just one, there are going to be many, many, many reasons why people want that moment. And the moment is hardly the only thing. I mean, there are tons of different things, right, exactly. but that's just a starting point. I mean, if, even if you took the most basic thing, you could take that and explode it into all sorts of possibilities for different problems you can solve. 
And when you right. get deep enough, which will lead to the second tip, but when you get deep enough, then not only is it going to resonate, but it's going to stand out because no one else talks about that. And people are going to, you're going to be known as the person like who solved whatever <laughs> blank while everyone else is mm-hmm. doing the exact same thing. So that's my first one is like, you really need to embrace the marketing process. I'm not saying that you got to become like a marketer with a capital M and that has to be like who you are in the world. But people will spend like weeks arguing, <laughs> maybe I exaggerate, but they'll spend weeks arguing about whether you should use Canon or Nikon or whether you should use a mirrorless or not. Right. And then they'll spend minutes working on what thinking about like, what do I actually do for my audience? And if you want to have mm-hmm. a business that lets you spend your time arguing about Canon or Nikon or buying the latest camera, the best way to do it is to commit that time to trying to figure out, well, what is it that I'm actually doing for my audience? So I guess that, that, so that's number one is being the imaginative. I love there's, I heard a, a photographer, I'm trying to think of who does it, like where you go, um, like wall art or, or art for your home that will make your neighbors jealous or something like that. It's, I think that's an example of how we, when, when another quote I've heard over the years is if you're just in the business of taking pictures, that industry's gone, long gone. Everybody takes pictures. But if you're in the, in the industry of creating experiences, that industry is just yeah, getting I mean, started. That industry never goes away. And yeah, right. Exactly. And so it's showing how you connect with people in a really meaningful way. I'll give one more imaginative example I've seen this year. Um, I've been helping photographers with uh, online pricing guides. So oftentimes it's the first thing people ask for because they don't know what else to ask for. And I think another another thing photographers love to complain about is that that's one of them is, oh, everybody asks for is the pricing. I go, you know what? It's because of a really good thing. It's, it's because we all get to design our own businesses. Every single photographer's business is different. Whether we like it or not, we all price, we all structure, every, we all sell different things. Everything is totally unique, which is fun and awesome and freeing. But we need to accept, instead of being mad at our customer, we need to accept that this is a mess that we've created for consumers. That consumers have no idea what to expect. They have no idea what's included with a photographer or how to go about hiring a photographer, right? It's a total mess. And so you can be, you can differentiate yourself by being the best person at, at guiding your customers on how to navigate Mm -hmm. this mess, giving them stepping stones to make this leap, to understand what it is they're investing in and what's special about you. So uh, just this last week, Mike Albach, he is really good at setting up. Um, he'll just take out his phone. And I think this is where a lot of us get stuck with perfectionism and all of that, where we know we should be recording and making more marketing assets, but we like we want it to be perfect. And we want to set up the right lighting and the gear and the like all that gets in our way and it never gets done. He just whips out his phone, hits record, sets it on the table while his clients are looking at their albums, like doing the reveal of the album. And people go, well, why would you want that? It's kind of cool. Maybe that's like a personal moment. Well, he gets permission. He says, I want, I want to record this special moment for you. People are, of course, be over the moon emotional and they say the most amazing things. 
So that is an amazing asset for you just to, even if you're just to pull out those testimonials and those words they say. But I would argue that you need to show what it is you sell. And if you're just sell, showing digital images in your marketing, that is all you're going to attract. But when you show your products, when you show the experience of your clients seeing their work created in a book on a wall art, that is worth its weight in gold. It's like that needs to be on your pricing, on your website. So when somebody is trying to decide if they should hire you, they, they, they see it in, subconsciously, like we make purchasing decisions with like our, our small brain, right? Like, like five emotions that we can pull on. And we always try, we write our marketing stuff with our big brain. <laughs> so we, we try to convince people of why all about well, these big words and awards and look what we've done when actually the only thing the emotion, the emotional brain hears is emotions and showing that experience with, with these cool resources, like, like your, your customers looking at your pictures yeah. for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So that, that I love that being imaginative and thinking about the, what else you're doing, what else you're focusing, instead of focusing on yourself, focusing on what's the, um, the unique thing that you do that solves a problem, solves an emotional need for your clients. All right. What's the next Ooh, tip? I'm almost tempted to jump ahead because of what you just talked about. Uh, why not? <clears throat> I'm going to reverse the order of these. So the third thing was actually, let's do go it. deep, which sounds like be imaginative, yep. but it's, it's, it's a little bit different, but I, I'm going to go, I'm going to jump ahead and go off, off my own script here. We're going to see how it let's goes. Do it. I, I love, love it. what you just said so much. I love that example about pulling out the phone and taking that video because so often people will say, okay, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't work. And there was this great talk that I watched in, um, well, any one of my own educational videos that I was, you know, a program that I was doing. And so yep, yep, yep. the, the coach, he comes on and he says, you know, our only job is to figure it out. He's like, you know, I'm going to give you the information. I'm going to give you formulas. I'm going to give you things you can do, but you still will have to figure it out. That's your only job in life. No matter what you're doing is to figure it out because no matter what you do, you're going to run into some sort of hurdle. You're going to run into some sort of obstacle because your life is different from everybody else's. Your business is different from everybody else's. And there will never be a time, no matter what you're working with, where you're not going to have to figure something out. And your job is to take that and say, I am going to figure it out. And what most people do is they say, let me reverse out of this because obviously this isn't working. Let me go find a different formula or a different way of doing things. And they spend their whole life getting like 60% into every system, every formula, every strategy possible. Maybe they even get 90%, but it's like the last 10% when you figure it out and make it work for you. That's when it pays off. Mm -hmm. And so they spend their whole time working on the parts that everybody knows everyone can do. And as soon as there's an obstacle, people pull back and say, Oh, because that's when, you know, your head gets flooded with doubt and you start thinking, maybe I can't make this work or maybe this doesn't really work or this isn't the system. And, you know, there are many, many systems and many ways to get to the result you want, but you have to take you know, the bull by the horns when you hit that barrier and figure it out. And so like what people say is like, they'll, they'll hear like, okay, you shoot this video and you get this great reaction. And I mean, how many Facebook 
ads have I seen where I'm seeing exactly that? You're watching like a reaction shot of someone. And you're like, what's going on? This looks amazing. And you can see, I, I mean, like there was this one for this company called Gravity Blankets. And you see all these people wrapped up in blankets. And I'm watching yes. these. And, you know, part of me is thinking, are heavy blankets really a good thing? But you see all these people snuggled up in these gravity blankets and they look so comfortable and happy and you're thinking maybe it does work maybe i should check this out and pretty soon i'm clicking on the site and i'm learning all about gravity blankets i I didn't wind up buying one but i actually almost did before i kind of paused and thought wait a second i don't even need a blanket you can get them you can get them cheaper you can get them a little bit cheaper on amazon they're pretty expensive i i'm one i think we're going to go on a tangent here because i think that I didn't know they existed until my wife was talking to a friend whose son needed one. Um, and it was like working great for their kid. And I was like, wait a second, what'd you say? Weighted blankets. And I think there's like a, in my anecdotal research, I think most couples there's either, there's one hot sleeper Mm -hmm. and there's one cold sleeper. One, there's one that like, likes lots of blankets and there's one that doesn't. It's it's like we opposites attract. Right. And I'm the one that loves heated blankets and lots of blankets. It has been wonderful. It's like a 15 pound blanket or something like that. If that's what you like, if you like being cozy and snug and pressure, it's like I fall asleep faster every night and I wake up feeling more like more refreshed and just the bed warms up quicker Anyways, I could go on and on. It's one of my favorite purchases this this year. I think what this brand did is they realized this huge trend Mm -hmm. growing, and I think they're just they just immediately went. Let's just be a a company specific to this new this new trend um, that that's growing and take advantage of it because I I think it's it's kind of new to the space. They've been around for a while, but now it's they're kind of going like wildfire. And uh, but you can save a little bit of money when you go directly to Amazon, but they're expensive. Because anything heavy, right? Mm-hmm. It always costs money mm-hmm. to ship. Yeah. No, it's Anyways, great. <laughs> heavy I, blankets. No, I that, love them. that ad, like <laughs> just that reaction shot. I remember that specific ad so well because that one thing of watching people trying it out. I mean, that was enough yeah. to get my interest, and it got me this close to clicking until I realized. Uh, and you're, you're actually, you might be the one who just pushed me over the line now because I, I am the person who wants it warm. <laughs> so that's me. But it's so important. If they had just sat around and wrote like heavy blankets to keep you warm, I would look at that and be like, whatever. <laughs> but it's seeing exactly. people experience it that made all the difference. And so there's this tendency to not believe in the little things you need to do or to doubt or to wonder or to not be sure. And because of that, you think, I don't know if it's worth the effort. I don't know if I should kind of dot my I's and cross the T's, but actually it's that it's those little things that are everything, because that's the point where you're doing something different from everybody else, because everyone runs into that same mental barrier and everyone stops short of that. And it's the people who go through it. They're the ones who start, to differentiate themselves. And they're the ones who get real traction with everything they're doing. And so the idea of going deep is really understanding that the formula, it's never going to be enough without your participation. And you have to kind of really bring it and you have to figure out, well, how do I tie this into what was originally supposed to be bullet point number two? which is being attentive. But how do I how do I tie this into my audience's exact needs? And how do I kind of relentlessly find like, you know, tune myself in to 
their rhythm and their wants and those trends. Like I love that you just pointed out, there's been this growing trend, right? And there's some, there's this recognition of the fact mm-hmm. that like different people want sleep different ways. And you have to push through it and you have to sit around and you have to say to yourself, someone can say you've got to go and make a demo of something, but you have to go out there and say, okay, what am I going to do make for a demo? Or someone can say, like, I can't tell you how many times I, I mean, we all know, for example, that even something super basic, like we all know that there is a calendar and we all know that there are certain periods that are better for sales and certain periods that, that are going to be worse. In other words, you've got like holidays, you've got, let's say, Valentine's Day, you've got blah, blah, blah. And you know exactly what every audience in the world is going to be thinking. You know that they're going to be thinking maybe over Christmas, I've got to buy gifts. And that's a need that's going to pop up for that like one month that you can seize and you can use like if you're a family photographer, great stuff. Or even like with wedding photography. I can't tell you how many seasons I've done both where I've had it where we would push the albums for the people who didn't get on it at that period and that would get them to get it done. Or I can't tell you in terms of like as an example of bad behavior, how many times I've thought I'm too busy. I don't have time to do this. I'm just going to let it go by. And, you know, the thing is like you have to go and push and say and and recognize these little, you know, these little – well – these these changes kind of the pulse the pulse the pulse and the rhythm of your clients needs and their desires and everything they want and without that without kind of committing yourself to that and committing yourself to each of these little things like creating a demo and doing it well not just saying i'm right now i've done a quick demo and it's not you know whatever i didn't put anything into it i didn't think about it but whatever it's out there so i'm done but actually saying i'm going to do as best as i can and figure out how to work through this and figure out like which you know what demo do you need (laughs) do you need the one for your albums and i absolutely agree with you Mm -hmm. by the way it's like you know show what you sell if people don't see it they're not going to buy it Mm -hmm. i think that one one of the big i love studying like the just to over some I, i know there's a lot of gray but i like taking photographers who have thriving businesses and just pulling out the different, the tiny little clues that I see as indicators of a, a thriving business and one that's struggling or yeah. still trying to figure it out. And it's, it's testimonials. I think it's the courage and the confidence to ask your clients to talk about you. And I think that every good marketing teacher will, t- will tell you that we, we can oftentimes you could actually help another photographer market their business better than you can market your own. We are too close to our own businesses to be really good marketers. And so we need to insert these hacks to force us to look at our businesses from with outside eyes and to, and to stay away from like, there's all the, I could, uh, what is his name? Darn it. Um, start with why Simon Sinek says, you got to start with why our big brain always wants to talk about what we do. Nobody cares about what we do. They care about why we do it. But when it's our own, we get all excited about, it's almost like a, a parent talking about their new kid. Nobody wants to hear about your kid all the time. Like you got to talk about them, you know, talk about what's what they're uh, interested in, what, what's happening in their life. Um, and, but it's hard to. So back to uh, marketing, like you could market another photographer's business better. So the way to hack this is to make sure you are just having conversations with your past customers at every stage of the game. It, it, It can feel like actually really good customer service, but it's actually really good research for you also. 
So when you when you have an inquiry that reaches out, you go, oh my gosh, thanks so much for reaching out. It's amazing. I, I can't wait to talk. How did you hear about it? Who like you want to know where your leads are coming from? Okay, cool. Then uh, once the shoot is over, everything's done. You're like, hey, what? Uh, could, I would really, really. My business thrives on word of mouth referrals. I would love to know what attracted you to choosing us. I know you had a lot of choices. There's a lot of photographers in our area. It would really mean a lot to me if you if you shared what was the difference maker for you. And these answers, not only are they amazing guideposts, but they become some of your best marketing material. Let your customers write your headlines because it's gonna your customers are gonna speak the language of your other potential customers a lot that's, better than oh, you that's can. That's another perfect segue. God, you're, you're, you're so good. <laughs> you're on it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, that, that was, um, I mean, my original second, now my third bullet point is being attentive and really, yep. you know, people talk I mean, you, you can't like, I don't know, you, you can't throw a rock into the photography marketing void and not have it hit a talk about ideal client profiles and get yes. for all that. Yep. So it's so rare that people create an ideal client profile that really gets them business and in part because it's just hard. I mean, I think I think it's such an easy idea to understand, but it's really, really hard to do well. And you like what you said is one of the best ways to get that information. And so I did I say my third, my second bullet point? Anyway, the second bullet point was gonna be to be attentive. Yeah, yeah. So now we're going. Yeah, it's being like attentive is so close. To, like if you listen, if you create situations to get input, and you allow yourself to kind of listen and read between the lines, you'll actually get the information that you need to speak to your audience. But most of the time, kind of that floats by because we don't notice and we don't create those situations, and we don't. It just and as, as such, you know, it just kind of like. We're, we're too busy and we're stuck, like you said, right? Wrong part of the brain is in operation. And so, like, I'll give you an example of something that happened with me that made a big, big difference. What happened when I was working on my website is I was doing a complete revamp to a whole new audience and decided I wanted to target a different group of people. And I was sitting around trying to figure out, like, what is the big headline or what's my, you know, how am I going to captivate people? How am I going to get their attention? And this is another example of where like, if you hit it right, sometimes just one sentence can make a huge difference for your marketing. And it's, you know, there's this tendency to say, can, you know, can it really make that much of a difference? But you know, you you mentioned headlines, which is kind of a very writerly term, right? Like every copywriter knows how important headlines are. But if you're not a copywriter, I mean, it's not something usually you hear headline is like kind of whatever. And it's about the least interesting thing in the world. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I always tell people in terms of headlines, like, well, if people don't like your headline, they won't read anything else. (laughs) And so in a way, it's like, I think Mm -hmm. Ogilvy said it was like 80% of the value of an ad. And so anyway, going on, on these lines and with this idea, so I'm trying to figure out like, what do I put on the website? And I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to put something like, you know, capturing real moments to preserve your special day, because I know if anyone sees that, they're going to look at that and it's going to be the same thing as everybody else. So I'm thinking like, what do I put? What do I put? What do I put? And I'm going through all these variations. And like you just, if you went back, you'd look at like notepads and notepads of really bad ideas and maybe occasionally an okay one. But then, you know, the way I find the answer, and this literally brought in business. I mean, I can't tell you how many people walked into my meetings and said, this one thing was the reason 
we're in here. And so I, I, what I did was I went back cool. to my sales meetings and I started thinking, well, what is it that I keep hearing over and over from people? And so we have to go back to 2012 for this story to make sense. But if you, if you looked at kind of your typical website in 2012, that's when like all the blogs are blowing up. So everybody is showing detail shot after detail shot. So you go on every single website and the big thing at that time was shoe shots. Everyone's got this big shoe shot on their website and what I found in my sales meetings, just by talking with people, so I wasn't even doing research. I was just like chit-chatting with people. And I realized that I kept hearing this over and over is my audience, they were not looking for shoe shots. They were kind of looking for just normal, like they were looking for documentation. And if you put yourself in the shoes of someone who's looking for documentation and you think of a wedding as this people-based event, I mean, how weird does it seem that when you start doing research, like half the photographers out there are leading with a shoe shot before they even show a picture of a person. <laughs> I mean, it's the weirdest thing ever for <laughs> that particular audience. And so that actually became that, that was my lead on my website. It said, uh, I'm probably not going to quote myself, right. But it's something like wedding schmettings. We like you for you, not for your shoes. And it was, awesome. I mean, yeah, it was great. It's like, it was, it would hit the, you know, just like the, for the people who didn't like shoe shots and had that experience. I mean, it was dead on because they're like, yes, that is exactly what I am feeling. And, and so, I mean, mm-hmm. instantly no one else was doing that. <clears throat> but what you'll notice here is that, I mean, so if you take the original idea of finding a problem and a pain point, I mean, what you need to do is you need to take that and then you extend on it. And so my pain point is nothing other than saying I'm doing people-centric photography and not it's not all about details. And maybe at that time, because so much was focused on details, because it was really popular, that's it's a little bit it's more just it's a lot more than unique, more unique than if you said it right now, but it still wouldn't have been enough. But the that that step of taking that idea of saying I'm doing something people-focused and asking, well, how do I say it in a way that fits how my audience actually thinks and what, you know, the, the, the quote from Robert Collier, um, another old, old school marketer, I think this is like from the 1800s, but he said, you, you always want to enter the conversation in what is it? The buyer's mind or something to that effect. Right. And, and really, I mean, it's like, okay, I've taken a problem that maybe at that time is a tiny bit unique, but not super unique, but I found a way to say it that sounds different from everybody else and fits exactly what the audience is saying. And I got that for free. I just had to be attentive. It wasn't like my brilliance. You know, I'd love to take credit for it and say it was a great, you know, it's like I had this stroke of genius, but really it's like, that's what my audience told me. And all I had to do was parrot back what they told me. And if you looked at every time I tried to be creative and come up with something really smart to write for, for my website and you looked at all those, I mean, none of them were, would were close to as effective as just talking about what people <laughs> were telling. I think, I think you, you can get closer sometimes it's whether you, it becomes your headline or it's just part of the exercise is it starts with courage, having the courage to be like, you know what? I don't, I think it starts, we go all the way back to the beginning where um, bills are tight. You, your calendar isn't as full as you need it to be. There's this, fear that, okay, that means I need to broaden my net, right? That means I need to, I need to say yes to anybody who is interested, but that act, uh, unfortunately that has the reverse effect. 
there's this stat I share that every year in the U.S., the, the total advertisers spent, there's about $1,000 worth of advertising per wow. U.S. citizen. So companies are spending $1,000 a year marketing to you. So every, there's so much noise and the noise is only getting louder, which means as business owners, how the heck do we break through all of this noise? How do we stand out, not just from other photographers, but just all of the noise that is out there in the whole industry, just day to day, right? And it's 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 going deeper. It's, go, it's being attentive to what our clients actually care about our tiny little niche of the world, not just wedding photographers, but, but, but couples who are looking for documentary style or, or barn outdoor barn weddings. Or I, I, I met this awesome photographer in, in at WPPI. She just focuses on uh-huh. um, the hiking niche. She goes, she's part of like all of these outdoor hiking clubs. She takes all these pictures of everybody on the hiking meetups so whenever any couple in that scene wants to get engaged or married, they she is like the first person they all think of. And it, it's, it's going deeper and more niche, which makes your marketing stand out uh, and actually resonate and, and cut through that noise. And I think back to headlines, I want to say my own two cents on it. I think out of all of the time we spend on our website, uh, <clears throat> the headline is is by far the most most important thing. We should spend 80% of our time thinking about brainstorming, uh, testing the the headline on our site. Everything else is an afterthought, right? And the way I think the way you would measure the effectiveness of your of your headline would be just your time on page. If you're looking at your um, your Google Analytics and and people are bouncing away fast, people aren't spending much time on your site. Um, I think that'd be one metric to look at. Um, I want to share one more awesome tactic. This has been really, really good uh, strategy and how to think about your marketing and and and, and where to go next. Um, as to, when it comes to being attentive, I just heard Seth Godin's got a new podcast. He talked about how we really, because of, there's all of this noise, it's kind of lonely and it's hard everything's one size fit all. And what we're all looking for is personalization. We all want to be seen as, as consumers. We all want the companies and the, and the people we work with to really see us for us. Uh, and it, it just really, again, hammers home the point of, of niching your marketing. So here's a way to do that, that I, that I've been really excited about this year. I've been using, um, different tools like loom, use loom.com to make videos for for friends, for my team, to delegate projects and tasks and to answer customer support emails, to demo things. I can make a five-minute video uh, where I'm showing my webcam and I'm also recording what's on my screen. I put together a quick training for photographers to take whatever your uh, online pricing, whatever your pricing looks like today, I suggest making a copy of it and cutting like three-fourths of it out. I get it that when you're looking at your pricing, it becomes like your business plan for you. Like you need to see it so that all of everything makes sense and you're making money, but you should never be sharing your complete detailed pricing guide with a potential client before they've chosen to book you. Yeah. You can review the full details after in an in-person meeting or something, but don't be sharing this huge five meg PDF 
with every size, every format, every surface <laughs> when they're just making that decision. So number, step one, make it simple. Make a teaser of your pricing that talks about why people work with you and, and why, how you help people choose artwork, that stuff. Okay, now here's the icing on the cake. Once you have this teaser pricing guide, use this tool, this tool called useloom.com, hit record, and just do a three-minute intro with yourself on camera says, hey, thanks so much for reaching out. Empathize with the chaos that is choosing a photographer. I know it's really hard. I, I want I want to do my best to help walk you through this process and choose a photographer that's right for you. Here is why people like working with us. Our clients love uh, high, heirloom quality albums. They love these canvases right here. And you scroll down your page, guiding people through your pricing guide as if you would do it in person, but now your website <clears throat> and this video is doing it automatically for you. Uh, it's a really, there's a, a bunch of photographers in our, in our Facebook group that are doing this now with awesome results where think about how you can stand out when, <clears throat> when somebody makes an inquiry, whether it's automatic or you just send an email out with, with this link to the video, think about how that's different from the other responses other photographers are giving right now. So uh, this was awesome, dude. Is there one more you want to wrap up? I know we've got a free resource that you are giving out. There's an eight-part email crash course to helping photographers really lay this solid foundation where you take them step-by-step step through your process and the process you've taken other photographers through with some awesome results. Um, they, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes at uh, ground-glass.com. So, that's okay. <laughs> Whoops. I know, it's that, damn, it's that damn dash, you know, that's what... what, what uh, <laughs> I don't even know what I said. Sorry, ground? Yeah. So ground <laughs> Did I say dot instead of dash? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Such a nerd. Cool. All right. Uh, Spencer, dude, I love chatting with you. This is so helpful. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to, to share your journey, to share the lessons learned so that photographers can can get to this place of, of working smarter instead of harder, um, to give them freedom to spend time with their family, whatever it might be, just to be more efficient in their business. Um, and wh while you're running your own business, I think that you uh, taking the time to, to share here. is it's, really, it's really special. Awesome so thank you. you. Awesome. All right. Uh, well, we'll see you next time on the Momentum Podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Have a good rest of your day. Wow. Cheers.